0: the last uh, several weeks, we've been looking at one specific passage of Scripture, and it comes from Acts chapter 2, verses tw- uh, 22 through 24, and in that passage of Scripture, we get the, the, the theme of the sermon series, the theme is nailed to the cross, and so we read from the Scripture, men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross." by the hands of godless men, and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in his power. This is the third Sunday we've looked at this passage of Scripture. And we've done so keeping our minds on this fact that Jesus was nailed to the cross. But we've also looked at a hymn that's been... Uh, helped us see the emphasis of what we've been doing. The hymn was written in 1704 by Isaac Watts. The hymn is, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. When that hymn was first sung in the churches of Europe, people would get up and walk out because it was not one of their traditional psalms. But that hymn has had such a moving effect upon the church throughout its history, and still today, And we listen to it here as I'm going to quote a portion of it. And that just simply says, When I survey the wondrous cross upon which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor content on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them. To his blood. And then we've really focused on that third stanza. See, from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet? Are thorns composed so rich a crown? That third stanza, we talked about the first Sunday, the hands of Jesus nailed to the cross. And we asked the question, Whose hands were those hands? And one of the things we said about those hands is this, the hand of the Lord is mighty, mighty to save. Last week, we pondered the feet of Jesus nailed to the cross. God said in Isaiah chapter 60, he said, I will make the place of my feet glorious, changing the way we look at an instrument of execution, changing the way we look at the cross And today, we think about the suffering of our Lord. We want to see His face. And so, the title of the message today is Seeing the Face of Jesus. Have you pondered that face that looked upon men as He was held by nails to the cross? Elizabeth Clefane lived in the 1800s, died when she was only 39 She was sickly all her life. Shortly before she died, she wrote the words of this hymn, made popular by Ira Sankey. Ira Sankey was the hymn director, the song leader for the revivals of D.L. Moody, and Ira Sankey helped popularize the hymn itself, the words of the hymn, no, not the tune by which we sing it by today. She wrote, Beneath the cross of Jesus, I fain would take my stand, the shadow of a mighty rock, Within a weary land, a home within the wilderness, a rest upon the way from the burning of the noontide heat and the burden of the day. Upon the cross of Jesus, mine eye at times can see the very dying form of one who suffered there for me. And from my stricken heart with tears, two wonders I confess, the wonders of his wondrous love and my unworthiness. You see, if we're unmoved by the cross, unmoved by the cross, and what happened there, then I'm yet to understand who died there. There were people around the cross the day that Jesus died. Many people watched him die, but very few, like the thief on the cross, who cried out, remember me when you come into your kingdom. They were observers and not believers. We don't want to just be observers or readers about what happened to Jesus on the cross. We want to be believers and passionate believers. It's our duty to place ourselves beneath His cross and to see from His head and His hands and His feet sorrow and love flowing mingled down. So, what happened to Jesus on the cross? You know, the Bible doesn't really tell us in the New Testament anything about what happened to His face. Nothing, not a word, except some events, some some actions that were done to him, but nothing about how he looked, nothing about how he looked, but the Old Testament does tell us how he looked. It tells us in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 14, the Bible says, but many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured that he seemed hardly human, and from his appearance, one would scarcely know that he was a man and he will startle many nations kings will stand speechless in his presence for they will see what had not been told they will understand what they had not heard about and so today I just want you to ponder as we think about the sufferings of our Lord on the cross here we are one Sunday before Easter and this needs to be our focus what was it that happened to the face of Jesus that left it so marred as to be hardly recognized as human well in the new testament it tells us very clearly what happened we look at john chapter 18 verses 21 through 23 jesus was questioned and when he was questioned on when he was on trial he asked them. he said why do you question me question those who've heard what i spoke to them they know what i said and when he had said this one of the officers standing nearby struck jesus And said, is that the way you answer the high priest? And Jesus answered him, if I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if rightly, why do you strike me? That happened over and over as we read other verses. In Matthew chapter 26 verse 67, they began to spit in Jesus' face and beat him with their fist and some slapped him. They were disfiguring the face of Jesus. In Mark chapter 6, 14, verse 65, Then some of them began to spit at him, and they blindfolded him and beat him with their fists. Prophesied to us, They they jeered, and the guards slapped him as they took him away. Matthew also tells us they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and after twisting together a crown of thorns, They put it on his head and a reed in his right hand and they knelt down before him and mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the reed and they began to beat him on the head. Do you see from his head the sorrow, the suffering, the love flowing mingled down? This is how his face became so disfigured that it was hardly recognized as, as being human. This is just a a picture of what John told us in the Gospel of John. He came into his own, and his own received him not. Isaiah said he was despised and rejected of men. And so today, as we pondered before, whose hand was that on the cross? Nailed to the cross. And whose feet were those nailed to the cross? And whose eyes were these looking out from that face upon those men who beat him with their fist, whose eyes were those who looked into the eyes and into the souls of those men who spit in his face, whose eyes were those who knew without looking the fingerprint of every hand that slapped him. And what kind of men would do such things? What kind of people would do that to anyone Especially someone like, who would do such a thing? What kind of women would stand in a crowd and, and, and scream for him to be crucified? And what kind of children would stand on the, on the streets and, and jeer at him as he walked by carrying his cross? Well, that's the whole point of the series of messages. Because when Peter preached, he, he, he preached to that crowd. He preached to that crowd. On the day of Pentecost, it was when he preached this sermon. And he said, Men of Israel, listen to these words. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to the cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. And so when we think about his head, his hands, and his feet, and the sorrow and the love that flow mingled down, who's responsible for that? Who did that? Well, Peter could look squarely at those people and say, you did that. And he could look at himself and say, I did that. And I can look at you and say, you did that. And I can look at myself and say, I did that. I am guilty. Men of Loosedale, women of Loosedale, boys and girls of Loosedale. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross. These are your deeds. These are your acts. This is my sin. This is your sin. Why should we desire to look upon the face of Jesus on the cross? Why should that be our desire? Some people, you know, say... When someone dies, well, I don't want to go by and look at the coffin. I would rather remember the person like they were. And perhaps that's what you would say about the Lord Jesus. I I like to think of Jesus as baby Jesus. Or I'd like to think of Jesus as a boy. Or I, I like to think of Jesus as a carpenter in the carpenter shop. Or I like to think of Jesus as the teacher going about doing good. But we have to see Jesus on the cross, suffering for us, we have to understand that those nails that were in his hands are nailed by our sin. He's there for us. My sin put the thorns on his head. My sins pierced his side. See from his head, his hands, his feet, the sorrow, the suffering, the anguish, the law for sinners like you and me. And it's not unusual to try to see the face of Jesus while we sing about it in an invitation hymn. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his heart wonderful face, but that wonderful face was so disfigured, so marred, that it was hardly recognizable as being human. And we need to look at the face of our Lord because that's what he would have us to do. Moses had that great desire. He said, Lord, I pray thee, show me thy glory. He wanted to see his face. The Lord said, you can't see my glory and live, but yet the Bible says that Moses and the Lord talked together face to face as a man speaks with his friend. And the Bible says that right now we know in part, but one day we shall know as we've been known, and the great hope of heaven is seeing the face of Jesus. But if we're to gain a vision of his face there, we must gain a vision of his suffering here and see that it was our sin that brought him suffering. Peter was a man who walked and talked with Jesus Peter was a man who watched him die, and Peter encouraged others to love him. Never said you're going to see him, never expected them to see him like he had seen him, but he expected them to love him, to love him on the basis of what he'd done for And Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, And though you do not see him, you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe him, you Rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. And though they didn't see him, he called them to remember in First Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, he said, Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of of Christ he expected them to see that see from his head his hands, his feet whose hands were those nailed to the cross whose feet were nailed to the cross whose face is this that looks upon men whose eyes look into the souls of men from the cross and look into your eyes and my eyes and my heart and your heart today Isaiah chapter 52, verse 3. We read, For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. They just turned away. They hid their face from him. They thought, he deserves that. This is what he deserves. He's done something, he deserves it. He deserves to die like that. Whose face was that? Well, I remind you, they saw his face many times in the New Testament. And the Bible says that people, when they heard him teach, they were amazed. And they said, no man has ever talked like this man. Who is this man? They saw his face moved with compassion as he walked among the people and saw them distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. They saw his face red with anger when he went into the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and said, My father's house is supposed to be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. They saw his eyes wet with tears as he stood outside the tomb of Lazarus and wept with Mary and Martha. They saw hope in that face as he entered the home of Jairus when his little daughter had died. And Jesus took her by the hand and said, little damsel, I say unto you, get up. And I think he smiled when he said, and now give her something to eat. His face was a tender face full of mercy for people of all kinds They saw hope in his face. They saw answers to their problems. The woman with the issue of blood took one look at his face and said, if I can touch the hem of that garment, everything will be okay. His face brought conviction to hypocrites, but there were also flashes of glory in that face. Matthew says when when he went up on the Mount of Transfiguration, his face, one translation said, shone like lightning. And the Bible says in the Gospel of John, chapter 18, verses 4 through 6, when they came to arrest him, and they wanted to know which one was Jesus of Nazareth, when he said, I am he, they fell to the ground. They all fell down looking at his face. One look from that face struck terror in their hearts. And what if he looked at you? Well, he is looking at you. He is looking at me. The same eyes that looked from the cross on the crowd around the cross that day, looked at those same people on the day of Pentecost when Peter was preaching, and they finally felt it. They finally got it. The conviction of God's Spirit finally struck them. The Bible says they were pierced to the heart, pierced to the heart because Peter said, Men of Israel, listen to these words. This man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men. This was your sin. Isaiah said in chapter 53 verse 3 through 5 he was despised and rejected a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief we turned our backs on him and looked the other way he was despised and we did not care yet it was our weaknesses he carried, it was our sorrows that weighed him down, we thought his troubles were punishment from God, punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins, he was beaten so we could be whole he was whipped So we could be healed. There was a a suffering on his face that went far beyond any human beating that he endured from the hands of men. He bore the sins of many on the cross. And it's that sinless face that we look at today as we think. Why do we need to look at the face of Jesus today? Why do we need to see the suffering of Jesus today? Why do we need to think about it today? Because that suffering bought, purchased our salvation, my salvation and your salvation. There's no way to heaven but through that suffering. And I need to see him as he sees me. And how does he see me? He sees me as a sinner guilty of that suffering. That's the whole point of Peter's message. That's the whole point of this series of messages. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you and I nailed to the cross. Godless men did it, but they did it in our behalf, and we would have done it had we been there. We are guilty of the sufferings of Jesus. He died for us. He died in our place. Elizabeth Clefane closed her hymn beneath the cross of Jesus with these words. I take, O cross, thy shadow for my abiding place. I ask no other sunshine than the sunshine of his face. Content to let the world go by, To know no gain or loss, my sinful self, my only shame, my glory, all the cross. Let's pray.